Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by Pastor Tom Sturgis. We're going to jump into our study this morning. We're going to pick up from where we left off last week. We've been doing a series entitled uh, Forgiveness, When God's Opinion is Enough. Or you can switch that title to Unforgiveness from Matthew 18. Largely, we've launched all of our studies from Matthew 18, starting at verse 21, where God's opinion is not enough. And I don't have time to review any of that. You can only go back and, and check that out. Now, last week, we talked about how we mediate this. Forgiveness, and you can go listen to the podcast, forgiveness is how I deal with the past, reconciliation is how I deal with the present, and trust is how I deal with the future. I want to say that again. Forgiveness, reconciliation, and trust. Would you repeat those three words with me? Forgiveness, reconciliation, and trust. Forgiveness is how I deal with the past, reconciliation is how I deal with the present, And trust is how I deal with the future. This morning I'm wanting to leap into that in continuing fashion. Um, And I was absolutely confident last Sunday what scripture I was going to. And and I'm going to include that here. As a matter of fact, you've been handed uh, and received a little note sheet where you can... And I've listed on there the two primary passages of scripture we'll be examining. So you can go home and look those up. But I, I just left a blank place for you to write some things down, anything that matters to you. You know, this isn't a class. You don't have to write everything down. But I would encourage you to write down anything that jumps out to you, okay? And we're going to do something perhaps a little bit differently here this morning uh, as we begin that we may do more frequently. Uh, and, and that is I'm going to have you read those first two verses as much as you can to somebody next to you. Read them off the screen. And I'll tell you why in a moment. But let me say one thing. Where we ended up with trust last week is trust is, I'll trust you when you trust what I trust and I trust God. And that's a mouthful. But uh, that trust is given when you trust what I trust and I trust God. So we're going to talk about that in in an ongoing fashion. I had some things I was going to share with you a little bit later. But note this, forgiveness is freely given. And this may seem very weird. But trust is earned. Forgiveness is freely given, but trust is earned. We're going to build a biblical case for that. Forgiveness is given without measure, but trust is awarded proportionate to faithfulness. I'm going to come back to that. Uh, You're going to see that Scripture substantiates this. Watch. Forgiveness worthy, I should put this up on the screen for you, all one word. How many know forgiveness worthy is not a word? How I many know trustworthy is a word? Because nobody's worthy of forgiveness, we're granted it. We get it from Jesus, we give it to others. We weren't worthy of it, but we were granted that. But beyond that, the word trustworthy shows up, and it is the same root term as faith and faithfulness. It's used about 70 times in the New Testament. It's an amazing passage, amazing context where it shows up. Forgiveness is the act of knowing who God is. Who God is, that's an important Forgiveness is the act of knowing who God is. Watch. And by default, we understand that the person who offended me is not them. That's important. Because in one of the first teachings, we made very clear the point that when we don't forgive a person, essentially we are expecting them to fix it until they come back and make it right, and they are not God. Only God can make us whole, W-H-O-L-E, because only God is H-O-L-Y, holy. 
And those two terms really do, uh, theologically and biblically, uh, are, are nearly identical terms. But only God is whole and complete. Only God can make you whole again. That person can't. So we need to realize they're not God. And then a couple of times I've quoted a passage of Scripture from Genesis 50 where one of the biblical characters, Joseph, is talking to his brothers who violated him tragically decades before, and they say, now our father is dead, and he's the only reason you've been nice to us. And God and uh, Joseph looks at him and says, am I in the place of God? So we realize that the second reason we won't forgive, okay, first one is we unwittingly treat them as though they are God and they can fix me, and, uh, or, or both, we put ourselves in the place of God. Now, but here's the deal. When we take God's opinion about the matter of that person, then we will respond to them entirely differently. We will forgive. We will reconcile. But today we're going to talk about trusting. And when you trust what I trust, and I trust God. So we're going to pick that up. Hosea chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. Now, I'm going to sort of zoom through this. This was going to be the entirety of this study until early this morning when I was reading through a passage of Scripture and in absolutely fresh fashion, it ambushed me. I'd just never seen it before, and boy, did it get me. But I want us to do this. See, in the book of Revelation, Amanda, you can leave that verse up there if you would and let everybody sort of glance at it. Thank you. Um, In the book of Revelation, uh, it opens with, Blessed are those who read these words and those who hear them. Now, we think that that means we read them and then we sort of hear them deeply in some poetic fashion. But when Revelation was written 2,000 years ago, the entirety of what we know to be the New Testament was written to non-literary cultures. In other words, the majority of people couldn't read. Only a few people could, which means when the letters would be presented or whatever, the scripture would be read, it would be read, and people would hear it. I encourage people as you read through the Bible to read aloud. By the way, I I went ahead and committed to something, speaking of that. Our 21 days of prayer this year that we do in the month of January, we will be doing for 21 days. Um, But we typically had come here to the building, and I'm going to do something different. All 21 days of prayer and devotion uh, are going to be broadcast from my house in front of the fireplace. And I'm going to take those 21 days to go through the 21 chapters of John. And, uh, and we're going to have about a 15-minute demo- devotion each day from one of the chapters of John, as well as to read through the book of John together. All of this will be accomplished in somewhere between 30 to 40 minutes. It'll be broken up into to segments, so those of you that may need to jump on for a few minutes and then dash out the door to work, you can. But we're going to have prayer and devotion together. Um, for those 21 days, and we're going to be looking at the book of John. So I, you're, going to, you're going to hear some other things read as well. But let's do this right now. I want you to glance there and just take turns right now. Uh, here we go. I'm going to read it, and you read it aloud to somebody. Glance at the lines. We'll leave it up there long enough for you to glance and then turn and say it. Here we go. I will betroth you to me forever. Okay? Now, turn and tell somebody those words. Now look back at them and say, I can't wait to hear what that's about. Okay? Then this is God speaking. You ready? Yes, I will betroth you to me. Read. Okay, look at them. In righteousness and in justice. Okay, let's keep going. 
in loving kindness and in compassion. And I will betroth you to me in faithfulness. Tell them that. Everybody say, then you will know the Lord. Now, let me tell you quickly about Hosea. Hosea is a minor, one of the minor prophets. There's 12 books toward the end of the Old Testament that are called minor prophets. They're not called minor because they're less consequential, only because they're shorter in length. And so how many ever hundreds of years ago, uh, they are referred to as minor prophets simply because of, of, the, of the size of the books, not because of them being less than consequential. The book of Hosea in particular is a story uh, of Hosea and God speaking to Hosea to go and love a wife that has been absolutely unfaithful to him and adulterous to him. Well, as you read through the book of Hosea, you find that his adulterous wife, Hosea's wife, is in fact embodied in the nation of Israel. Israel is God's bride, and of course, as Hosea and his wife Gomer are husband and wife, so it is God and Israel. So God is speaking to Israel about the terms of covenant. The word betrothed here is a word for covenant. I am covenanted to you. Because as you read through the book of Hosea, a fascinating book, uh, one of the verses I quote often when I watch people do dumb things, including myself, and I quote one of the verses from Hosea where he says, here's what God says, men do what men do. How many know that's one worth remembering? Men do what men do. Now, look at the person next to you and say, remember that because you'll quote it this week sometime. Okay? You're going to look and say, men do what men do. Okay? There we go. And, and it's got some other, in chapter 6, it's one of the verses that Jesus quotes when he's correcting the Pharisees. He says, you guys don't have any clue what it is God's looking for. He says, I desire mercy more than a perfected worship system or sacrifice. And he says, my, my leaders are people who can look beyond the reality of a moment and form a different opinion about the possibility of that life. And I don't have any more time to talk about that than that right there. But that's what this book is about. So these people in Israel have the audacity to sort of question God's commitment to them. God says, okay, I'm committed to you, but here are the terms. Everybody ready? Now here are the things you'll want to write down. There are five terms that are used there, righteousness, justice, loving kindness, compassion, and faithfulness. Okay, those are the five terms. You can go home and check those out. What I want to give you is the replacement phrases for them. And here, watch. Here's how we are going to go forward, God says. Number one is righteousness. The, the, probably the most simple uh, reduction of that is, well, it's God bringing order. But number one, everyone say it's going to be God's way. Okay, that's number one, God's way, that he orders my steps. Righteousness and righteous and righteousness is used about 600 times in the Bible, and it refers to God bringing order. Number two, it says justice. Now, we recently, here in our nation, elected another court justice. Justice is not only an adjective, it is a, uh, it's a noun. It can be both. So I want us to think of the idea of who has the last word in a courtroom. If you go to the Supreme Court, who has the last word in that court? A Supreme Court what? Justice or judge. So number one is righteousness, God's way. Number two, God's word is final. Okay? 
God's word is final. Now, here's a combination of two terms that are side by side. Loving kindness and compassion are two different Hebrew words, but they either one can be translated mercy. Most often, the first one, loving kindness, is translated mercy. More often than the second one. But as I went through them again, having done this for 20 years, this particular passage, by the way, uh, and the many times, matter of fact, New Hope, uh, the two churches that Brenda and I have served as, as pastors have launched three or four recovery ministries for addiction recovery. And this has become a banner premise for it. It's going to be God's way. God's word is final. Okay? And then the combination of these two terms, it's really hard to sort of pull them apart, but we're going to put them in this order. Number one, uh, haset is God refusing the right to abandon. So I refuse to abandon. But then the combination of the other term, a deep love that says, I love you enough not to join you in the insanity. That's the other side of mercy. See, it says mercy follows us all the days of our life. doesn't say it joins us in when doing stupid stuff. As a matter of fact, we understand from the New Testament in particular that mercy is, watch, God refusing to accept my opinion of me or any opinion of me above his opinion of me. And, and, and on any Sunday, we'll have church leaders or pastors who are on vacation. And if you have any questions about that, as a matter of fact, if you want anyone here, I say this every week, you want any additional notes, send an email to tom at newhopeonline.com. Tom at newhopeonline, and I'll shoot these to you for what it's worth. But regarding mercy, uh, that's not just sort of some quick cliche statement. The word Elios and the 74 times it's used contextually in the New Testament, I think really supports that sort of paraphrase of God refusing to accept any opinion of me above his opinion of me. How many today would just lift your hand for a moment and say, thank you, Jesus, for that? That's mercy, okay? God stands out here and he says, I'm not going to join you in your insanity. So we're at term number four. The last one is walk, knock, talk. I love a quote from Stephen Covey that I read, I don't know, 25 years ago. And he says, it's hard to talk yourself your way out of something you, uh, you behaved your way into. Want me to say that again? It's hard to talk your way out of something you behaved your way into. It's hard to talk your way out of something you behaved your way into. We were first married. Brenda was teaching school. I was a cop. For about the first three and a half or four years, we were married. Life was great. She would, uh, depending on what shift I was working, but uh, I would work a, a five to three shift was one at that time. There were 10-hour shifts. And on the occasion I was on that shift, I would work. She, she would get out of school about 3 o'clock and, and she decided to take on this very traditional domestic duty of cooking supper, which most on most occasions was an all-out tragedy. The, um, and she you say, I cannot believe you said it out loud. Ask her, she'll tell you. Amazing, talking about the glory of the Lord and transformation, she is one of the most amazing cooks today uh, that you would just ever come across. You would never believe how tragic it was. But have her tell you the story about the very, 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 very first meal she prepared for me. Every item on the plate was burnt. And I ate it with a big smile on my face every bit and said, that's the best food I ever had. I went in the bedroom on my knees and repented to God for lying and asked that he not send me to hell. Okay? But <clears throat> at 3 o'clock when she got off, she'd come home and she'd all this effort to, to really learn and do something she hadn't done before just out of love for me. 
I'd get off work, I'd go to the gym and work out, maybe I'd be there on time and not. It didn't take too long for her to catch on. And I came home and said, hey, we having supper tonight? She said, I already did. And I said, uh, okay, well, all right. She said, uh, you're never here on time, not once, and I'm not cooking. I said, okay. I said, I will be tomorrow. And so I came home, and I was. I said, hey, I'm here. She says, talk is cheap. I was on time after that. It took me a few days to catch up and for her to get back in the groove of cooking again and me being the experimental rat that those meals would be tested on, but nonetheless, I was grateful. And here's the fact. I love the fact she looked at me and she says, talk is cheap. She said that, she says, talk is cheap. That's one of the most, I, I don't know that I have any recollection other than that. And I love the fact, here's in all seriousness, uh, I, I was telling someone the other day that next year we will, be, we will be married 40 years. I said, I'm so glad I married somebody of just amazing strong will, and I am, uh, because I, I think in my excitement I might run over people otherwise. But uh, I, one of the aspects that I, I so very much treat, appreciate about our relationship is she holds me accountable, holds me accountable. Talk is cheap. Now, why is that important? Well, it's this bit number five word here, faithfulness. He says, walk, not talk. Then you will know me. Now, that's an important phrase because here, faith can be, watch this. You'll want to write this down, I think. Faith can be expressed in words. Faithfulness is always in action. Faith can be expressed in the words. You know, when you accepted Christ as Savior, you said words, right? It started there. But faithfulness exclusively, every time the word shows up in the Bible, it's in action. Okay? Now, let's move on to the place I really want to get to today. Uh, 2 Timothy, excuse me, 1 Timothy, chapter 1, verses 12 through 16. We're going to go pretty quickly here, okay? Now, I know I gave you a piece of paper on purpose because you're going to need to write these things down. And what I've never seen before this moment, this is Paul writing to Timothy, his disciple. You can go Google Paul and Timothy and find out more information. I don't have time to give you the background on it. But he would call him his beloved son in the spirit. I mean, just this fond affection that he had for Timothy. And so he's writing to Timothy here. And this is sort of a parenthesis where he's telling the background for why he's going to say some of the things he's going to say. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture because you will note here that the word mercy is used twice. So it's a favorite reference. But what I want to do is I want to read through these verses quickly, and then I want us to look at them one at a time. And I want to talk about the character of a trustworthy person. Here's what you can, in other words, five things. And this has just blown me away this morning, honestly. Early on, when I saw it, I was like, oh, wow. Now watch in these verses. He says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me. Everybody see that word? Say that word loud, please. Okay, hang with me. One more time, say it. Faithful or trustworthy, putting me into service, verse 13, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly, say that word, in unbelief. unbelief. I know it's outlined, it translated over a bit differently, but the word's unbelief. Now, what I'm wanting to show you is that in all five of these verses, is some, uh, uh, some derivative of the identical Greek word for faith or faithfulness in every verse. I'd never seen that before. Here we go. Verse 14. And the grace, everybody say grace. grace. Okay, the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith, faith 
That's the, there's that word. And love which are found in Christ Jesus. Verse 15. It is a trustworthy statement that, um, you know, if I would probably... Oh, anyways, we'll, we'll fix that later. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save its sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. Verse 16, yet for this reason I found mercy, second time it's used, so that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. All five verses, hear the words, faithful, unbelief, faith, trustworthy, and belief. All five verses have some reference to faith or trust or trustworthiness. And what I never saw until very early this morning, I went, really did that. Going, oh my goodness. Because I've never found, I've I've looked for a passage of scripture that, that, you know, says, Father, help, help me understand how to trust and who to trust and when to trust. And there's something here, but it comes in sort of through a back door, as Paul said, as Paul begins to describe why he became trustable. Or able to be trusted, if you will. Now, let's look at it, okay? Verse 12, I'm just going to read it again. I thank Jesus Christ our Lord who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. Could you put up number one, please, Amanda? This is verse 12. Trustworthy, you know, perhaps if I move out in front of the New Hope, let me see if the camera follows me up here, if it's any easier to read. There we go. Does that help? Okay. Would you please read that out loud? That's an important notion. Read it one more time, please. Okay, if a person shows up and says, well, you just need to trust me. You see, that's the problem because it's everything from violated marriages, business partners, to kids who can't be trusted with the car keys. I mean, everything in between to a four-year-old that you're trying to train and grow into how they will walk in life. One of the first things you need to look for is a person who's consciously thankful for being trusted. You know, I I just, I reflect on these in my own life. When someone comes and shares something with me, a hurt, a pain, a point of history where they have been violated or they have made a mistake, I I never thought about it. But one of the first things, I'm not waving a flag, it's just a personal reflections. One of the first things I say to them is, you know, I, I know the risk you took in sharing that either that point of pain or failure. And I, I don't even know what to say. I'm humbled by the fact that you would trust me with that information. Did you know it's, it's why on the times that we pray here about matters of, of failure, hurt, sin, coming to Jesus Christ, I have never been able to stand here and say, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm now going to ask you to raise your hand and confess some of the deepest points of brokenness, hurt, pain, And I'm going to stand here in a cavalier fashion and just look abroad because I have the right to stand here and do that. That is such a moment of holy encounter. Very often, I I just want to do that. Do you you understand what I'm saying? With hesitance, I I will look out and, and, and point and say, please understand. Receive what God wants you to have right now. And, and, and try, everybody get what I'm talking about? Okay, to, to, to approach that, that sense of trustworthiness. So the first point you want to look for, 
is their awareness that, man, thank you for trusting me again. Look for that language. Look for that behavior. Okay? Number two, verse 13. Let me just read it to you. You can go ahead and put the principle up there. Oh, man, I'm going to read the verse. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer, persecutor, and violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy. God refused to accept my opinion of me above his opinion because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. Number two. Read that aloud, please. Okay, so remember last week, everybody look here. I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to reconcile them to them, but do I trust them? If a person just continues to pretend like, hey, you know, it's not really any big deal. When are you going to get over it? Then great. Forgive them. Be reconciled to them. Go listen to that teaching, by the way. But don't trust them. You say, well, I don't know if that's Christian. It absolutely is Christian. Did you know that God trusts us on the same basis? Paul is saying, here's why God trusted me to be an apostle and a steward of the word of God to his church. Here is why. Don't be dumb. Don't be mean. Don't be unforgiving. Don't not communicate with them, but just say, when you trust what I trust and I trust God, then I'll trust you. It really is that simple. Don't keep doing dumb stuff. That is classic textbook, uh, what behavioralists would say is enabling, all right? Third verse, and the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. I love that. Uh, Now, number three principle is, read it aloud. Trustworthy people acknowledge that being trusted is an act of grace. See, watch. The first one is, number principle is, thank you. Just thank you for trusting me. Thank you. Thank you for trusting me. I, I, I do understand why you feel the way that you do. I do understand what I did that caused that. Second principle. Number three. I realize that you trusting me is an act of grace. It may not be something I deserve at all. Everybody get what's going on here? Okay. The trustworthy people acknowledge that being trusted is an act of grace. You see Paul writing that? He says, man, it's it's only grace that God trusts me with this stuff. Number four. Verse 15, it is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Jesus Christ who came into the world to save sinners... I'm just going to stop right there. Principle number four on the screen. Can we read it together? Trustworthy people comprehends no one deserves trust except Jesus Christ. Okay? That should be E-X-C-E-P-T. That was a, uh, it came off a typo. Except Jesus Christ. Everyone get that? Now watch how this sort of plays out. Okay, number one, I'm so thankful. Number two, I understand the problem and what happened and what I did. Number three, I don't, it's an act of grace. Number four, I don't deserve it. Only one who deserves it. Only one who deserves to be trusted is Jesus Christ. You see, I didn't die on the cross for you yet. He did. I didn't abandon every right I had and take on flesh and come and live among you. He did. So I want to remind you. Everybody get what's going on here? This is some powerful stuff that really needs to be just soaked and soaked and soaked, okay? Number five, verse 16. Yet for this reason, I found mercy. I found God refusing to accept any opinion of me above his opinion of me 
so that in me as the foremost, you'll see, sinner, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Here's number five. You ready? Trustworthy people celebrate mercy above entitlement. Woo! If a person comes up and says, well, I, I know that happened. I sat in my office, by the way, three, four years ago. A uh, ministry couple from another state, no one here would remotely know them, so I'm not telling anything that anyone could figure out. Uh, as a matter of fact, because they were referred by another pastor, I don't even know, I don't even recall their names. I remember seeing them sit there. I could look up their names in my notes, but I don't. And just, it was a poster child. They were, uh, excuse me, they were a poster uh, people, couple for young couple in ministry, had, had planted and grown a relatively uh, successful church and outreach. They were 30-somethings. And uh, he was handsome and she was attractive and, and they were sitting and, and some terrible things had happened where he had been involved with uh, another, another woman. And now, at 13 months later, and I remember 13 months because he said, for crying out loud for 13 months, uh, I've, been, I've been faithful. For 13 months, I've let her see every text message, every phone call. Good grief. And in a moment of what I still feel is inspiration, there was an empty Altoids container sitting on my desk. And I remember making the illustration, hitting it with my fist. Um, and it hurt my hand so bad, I'll never forget it. But it's one of those times where you go, here's a great illustration, bam. That really hurt very bad, but I couldn't do that, so I just had to fake it and go, mm, okay. But I held it up before I hit it, and I held it out, and I said, let's, let's, I said, son, let's pretend that this is uh, the little box of the sacred things of her heart. And when you said, I do, she handed it to you. And now you took it, and six or seven years into marriage, here's what you did with that. And I just hit it twice, bam bam and crushed it and I said here and so he took it and I said here I said hand that to her and say here's what I think of your precious box of sacred stuff he said no I don't want to do that I said then maybe you're starting to get it I said because here's the problem we have the problem ultimately that has to do with trust and especially where it's in a very close and intimate relationship in finality it has to do with this it has to do with the deepest suspicion of my own heart. It has the deepest suspicion to do with what is so fundamentally wrong with me that I would trust most deeply the things that are hurt are most sacred to a person who is clearly so unworthy. What is wrong with me? When I said those words for the first time, her otherwise very stoic face, she just began to sob. I said, the problem at this point is not her coming to terms with what's wrong with you. The problem is coming to terms with what's wrong with her. She's suspicious about herself. And until you're committed to helping her heal of the broken trust of herself, you'll never finish it in finality. The fifth principle here is trustworthy people celebrate mercy above entitlement. And I have it paraphrased as I'm so glad you didn't accept my actions 
above God's opinion. I am overwhelmed. I am overwhelmed that you are not accepting my actions above God's opinion of me. I don't know how to reduce that. Now, now these, these four principles are this. Trustworthy people are consciously thankful. They're aware. Thank you for trusting me. They understand the significance of the violation. They don't pretend it didn't happen. See, because very often, I, last week I said forgive, reconcile. You can go forgive and reconcile. And, and so many times I've had to help people through the process where they'll call somebody up and say, you know, this is what happened. And I said, really? I don't even remember that. I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Great. Well, then I'm not forgiving them. Yes, sir, buddy, you'll forgive them. And you'll be reconciled to them at the level they can be reconciled. But trusting them in the future? No. No. That's foolish. Everybody get? That's empowering them beyond their level of stewardship. That's a mouthful of words that I don't have time to go into from a couple of Jesus' parables. Number three, trustworthy people acknowledge that being trusted is an act of grace. Number four, trustworthy people comprehend that no one deserves trust except Jesus Christ. Number five, trustworthy people celebrate mercy above entitlement. I am so glad that your opinion of me is not based upon my actions, but God's opinion of me, and that somehow you've built a bridge to that amazingly. Those are the kind of people you can trust. But if they're not there, then you can't do that. Okay? Now, let's do this one more time. Um, Amanda, can you put those on the screen? I'm going to leave them there for about 10 seconds each. While you look at them, I'll read them. I'm going to read them twice because I want you to say them out loud to the person next to you. It's that important. Okay? These are that important. Could you put up number one? I'm going to read it twice and take turns reading it with me. Trustworthy people are consciously thankful for being trusted. One more time. Now read it back to them. Trustworthy people are consciously thankful for being trusted. Here we go. Number two. Trustworthy people understand clearly the significance of the violation. Trustworthy people understand clearly the significance of the violation. Some of you are doing screen caps of that, so let me get up and get the the words off the background again. I'll stand up here. Okay? Number three. Trustworthy people acknowledge that being trusted is an act of grace. One more time. Trustworthy people acknowledge that being trusted is an act of grace. I didn't say this because I wanted to get done. Listen, we have a study here about, uh, that I think for months we went through the, uh, many of the places where the word charis, grace, is used 183 times in the New Testament. Romans 5 gives us the best picture of that Hooper Parasuo, that grace is that which pushes back against the force of sin, envision a circle around me, trying to make my world small. It pushes back and makes my world bigger. So when we hear, we see here, trustworthy people comprehend, no, go back to number three, please, Amanda, and let me, trustworthy people acknowledge that being trusted is someone making their world a bigger place. That's such a powerful point for them to get that. Number four, read it with me. Number four, trustworthy people comprehend no one deserves trust except Jesus Christ. Number five, 
trustworthy people celebrate mercy above entitlement. Hallelujah. We pray that New Hope Church is a place of grace and mercy, a place where you walk in and realize that you have the, the opportunity in worship to be able to encounter God. And a song we were singing a moment ago is, Lord, show us your glory. Show us your glory. In wonder and surrender, we fall down. So, Lord, here's what I ask today, that you would show us your glory. Write your word on our heart. Transform us. I pray for people who sit here today that are not only the forgivers, but there's some here today to whom you would speak. Some that have even been in relationships, Father, and even in marriage, where there's a violation that happened. It's a very real one. But for some reason, we have blithely sort of written it off. It's no big thing. I need to say another thing to you. Did you know that, and you need to hear, hear me. In terms of us being healed, the healing happens when we forgive, not when we trust. I want you to know if the person you've forgiven never acknowledges it or never meets one of these criteria, it doesn't mean you can't be healed of the violation. First um, John chapter 1, uh, Matthew 18 tells us that when we forgive, we are healed, released, and begin to be healed by God, irrespective of what that other person may do. So your only test here is whether or not they're trustworthy, not whether you can forgive them and not whether you'll be healed. If they want to be an idiot the rest of their life, bless God, let them make that choice. I, I, I'm not saying this in a cute fashion, but I, it just hit me, okay? So Father, I pray today that you would write your word on our heart. You would show us your glory. Transform us. Transform us by the force of your opinion, the word of God. From glory to glory as we stand before the mirror of God's word. I love you and I praise you. I ask you, Jesus. Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.